Welcome to The Watching Dead, the officially unofficial podcast for The Walking Dead on AMC. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. Got this this intro on autopilot now. I don't know if you're aware of this, but it's been something like 150 episodes of this show. I don't know. Uh, mm-hmm. And, and I, I, I don't even think about it anymore. Like some of these shows, I'm like, oh, Star Trek Picard. What, what is our show called? And what network is it on? Oh, it's a streaming service. I don't do any of that real-time calculation here. It's all just AMC... It's all just The Walking Dead. Uh, we're here to do a season season four hundred wrap up. Season yeah. four hundred, uh, yep. part B uh, of a three part season, <laughs> three part final season. Uh, Aaron's like some from Brazil. We just watched Brazil this week. It'll come out yeah. later, but like this is season uh, four hundred thirty three stroke B. Yeah, right. Uh, and it's got its own office and it shares a desk. I, I had a stroke halfway through the last episode. <laughs> <laughs> I watched that episode again last night in prep for this podcast, just to refresh oh, my no. memory. So I'm I'm clear on where we left things, uh, but I don't have a ton to say that I didn't already say in the final episode. Uh, Aaron, what do we have to do today? Uh, let's talk about when we're coming back. Sure. I thought we would have... Uh, we've decided like not to we cover are coming back. the third part of the final season. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, 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 no. We're going to fumble the ball and kick it through the end. Yeah, we're just going to mm-hmm. kick it out of bounds right right on the one-yard line. Uh, I, I, So, like, we don't have a date, right? We just did some looking. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't seem like we have a date. It seems reasonable to expect us to come back into September, October, October kind of time frame mm-hmm. but they also could shock us and release it in late summer um, which I, I am only half joking on we decided not to come back because september october window i don't know if you're aware of this is very crowded this year with some very high profile shows such as hot yeah. d and load load loader i don't know loader how's the dragon lord rop, of the rings loader rop rings of power it's, it's the, uh, of yeah. the shows it's a lot of pulp. It's a lot of pulp. And yeah. then we got the Walking Dead shambling there in the midst of the dragons and the We the, will make it over the finish the rings. line. It's no doubt. Yeah. We're not gonna we're not gonna crap out again, uh you know, like a marathon runner making it twenty five point eight miles and keeling over. I don't care how much the zombie subway tunnels flood, or how hard <laughs> the hurricane blows of content, we're gonna get through this. Uh Mm-hmm. So yeah, like uh, we'll we'll be back, you know, when The Walking Dead comes back. So be on the lookout for that because I, for one, am excited to see the last season. I am excited to see where they end up with this. I'm excited to see how how shameless a launch pad they're going to be using this for uh, the, the the launching of the rest of their content, the rest of their imagine The Walking Dead Empire that they're going to. I yeah. what, what do you, let me ask you this. Honest, uh, honest, honest question. Mm-hmm. How well do you think the the zombie ecosystem is going to work out for The Walking Dead? Do you? What are the odds in five years from now that there still will be active Walking Dead shows on AMC being developed? Um, five years seems like a long time, uh, because that's assuming a five year run of a brand new show. I think. I think you could have a good three years on the, on the next show, you know, the world beyond or whatever they're doing now. Um, but five years is a long time. Here, here's what I think AMC's real strategy is, is 
AMC Plus and Shutter, right? Like they, they're pulling people into those services. Uh, you can get all the Walking Dead stuff on Shutter, I think. You can get it through AMC Plus. They're both owned by AMC. That's got to be their strategy, right? Because I, I just don't think these shows are viable on television and the streaming platforms that they're on. Like, did, did you go to Amazon and watch this if you're not a podcaster and pay like for the for the AMC subscription? I guess you do. I guess you have to. I just wonder, like, what is the appetite for zombie stuff? Because I guess I, I'm not. It, it. When I see a zombie thing come out, my first reaction is, oh god, another zombie thing. It's more of yeah. like. Huh, because most of the time when I see zombie stuff come out, it's got like a twist to it. It's like, oh, this is a zombie series set in feudal Korea. Oh, this is a zombie set in modern Korea. This is a mm-hmm. <laughs> this is a, a zombie thing by Zack Snyder. It's going to be you know a fun heist uh, Vegas film. Uh, I, it's it's not like I'm like oh god zombies, but I feel like the zombies the the zombie craze that started in early aughts is is definitely crested early oh, to yeah. mid aughts and is is receding and i just wonder like what they but i i guess and that's the thing is in today's fragmented market keeping a core of a million two million fans yeah. engaged with something uh and and especially since they're weaving all this together they're all telling you know more zombie lore more zombie secrets I, I maybe you can you that that's that's a solid format for that's a solid mm-hmm. i mean it's it, it got to be at least as solid as like star trek whatever disco right oh yeah on paramount plus no, I, th- I think they have a franchise at least as popular as that um whether it's on the the i don't know cuz it felt like star trek there for a while was on the come up and now this is this thing feels like it's running into the ground but maybe that's just on television maybe their their streaming numbers are going pretty well maybe they're happy with the new subscriber count they've got hmm. well we will we'll be back when we I, and again like i we've had some people asking questions like are you guys going to cover any of that we are not planning on doing any of the spinoffs or any no. you know like jumping on to fear the walking dead for its final or the world beyond or anything like that i'm not committing to that because you know if uh, if the the negan maggie show turns out to be fire and everybody says it's some subser- subversive farce it's really interesting like i could get into something like that uh i'm never mm-hmm. going to say never but i'm not really interested in getting to know because that's the thing like the reason i'm in thus far at the walking dead is because i like a lot of the characters still and would like to see what what they end up with it i would be interested in seeing some first run bald movies if the, they get the the Rick, I mean, that's almost mm-hmm. a lock that yeah. if they if they make this Rick movie and they release it, that we would see it in the theater. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, other than that, I don't I don't know. We'll have to see. Uh, we got a lot of feedback. That's what the bulk of this episode is going to be about. Watching that at ballmove.com, of course, is where you send this in. Uh, hold it all for the next couple of months because we're going to go on Walking Dead hiatus. Uh, also, I guess this is not a time to say if you are, you know, this is one of our longest running shows. It is our longest running show. It's got to be. And if you're like, oh, what am I going to do with myself? The Walking Dead's going away. We've got so much stuff coming out this summer. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're about to start Better Call Saul, another AMC hit. Uh, Jim's going to be covering that with Alexis. Uh, we've got uh, We Own This City, David Simon and George Pelicanos, the maestros behind The Wire, and The Deuce, Show Me Hero, Treme, Plot Against America are doing We Own This City. We're about to start that next week uh, or the week after next. 
We've got uh, For All Mankind, a great new Apple Plus show um, uh, that's going to be coming back in June. We got The Boys that are coming back in June, Amazon Prime show. And then this fall, uh, a lot as we we mentioned, we got Rings of Power, the House of the House of the Dragon, just just tons of stuff. Uh, we have regularly scheduled movies, first run movies like all the big Marvel stuff coming out. We're about to do The Northman next week, uh, so there's plenty of bald move content talking about television and movies. Uh, you don't have to feel bereft if if uh, you're you're only a Walking Dead fan. There's tons of other stuff that you can you can shamble a, shamble after us. Um, but let's get to the feedback. Allie's up first. Where the fuck is the professor? He went to Oceanside. Aren't his friends worried? Is it weird that no one is commenting on this? Jim, what what's going on with the professor? The professor has eloped with Yumiko, and they are starting their own show. It's going to be called <laughs> The Professor and Me, and it's a law show, I think. It's going to be, yeah, a law mm-hmm. show. Zombie law. He start. He's starting like uh, that Norman Reedus ride. It's going to be a um, like a travelogue uh, food show called Fantastic Feasts and How I Eat Them. Uh, so, <laughs> and he is the motorcycle. Because I think the real answer is he's yeah. stuck on another ill-fated franchise that people feel ambig- ambivalent about, and it's it's struggling to find a shrinking audience. The Fantastic Beasts, like he's been filming and and promoting that, that's going to be coming out here pretty soon. So, I, I mean, that's the real uh, answer for him. But my biggest question is: in an episode where like you're the finale episode, you're digging into the Pamela Milton stuff, and you don't even think about bringing Yamiko back. Where is she? That's who I want to know yeah. about. Like, she's been absent. Her brother's part season. of the she's... resistance, right? Is she doing something super high profile, Eleanor Matsura, that I don't know about? Is she is she yeah. getting the Marvel stuff? I don't know. All right. <sighs> I don't know. I I I feel like it's. I think it's ex- just so low rent that you cannot get this guy for. Uh, thirty second scene. Like all he needed to right. be is in that right. roundup sequence at Oceanside, and I wouldn't. We would be like, well, I don't know where the fuck he's been, but he's been in Oceanside, and Oceanside hasn't been a big part of the plot. But right. it's acknowledging, I don't know. I would you say he was a? I, I don't know if he's a fan favorite because I don't have my fingers on the pulse that hard. But he was one of my favorites. I really liked the professor. I did too. I did too. And I thought they like to me the bigger thing is Yumiko though. We've been in yeah. Commonwealth the entire time. We've we had a story set highly, up with her, highly and then placed gone. in the State Department. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty. Yeah, she by should that. know. Like, and, and what does the State Department look like? Like, that's in the United States. That's the department that deals with foreign policy. Wouldn't she be intimately involved in like the procedures for bringing in these new communities and probably you would think so the helicopter people and the, all all the other kind of factions and we're getting none of that. It's because she's being spun off. The Yumiko show. Sure. Uh, moving on to Nicole B. says, I have to take a moment to roast The Walking Dead for the amount of time this episode crossed over into becoming a bad tour of General Hospital slash ER. For a show that can barely manage zombie tropes, I had no business trying to make tension from a hospital caper of stealing supplies, the mix of dramatic character moments cut short by patient is crashing, and the intense music and over-close-ups of the operating table surrounded by panicked staff and a calm, wavy-haired doctor saving the day. What are the chances the writers are struggling with filming an hour of TV and someone piped up, you know, I used to intern for Grey's Anatomy. 
They can't kill half the cast, and the other half is not available for shooting, so I wonder how much of the script is copy and pasted from whatever is saved from the writer's Google Docs. Wouldn't it make more sense? The phone of Yumiko over phone uh, over the phone uh, with Carol when Doctor and Ezekiel were in handcuffs. I bet the actor is off doing something better for more money. You know, that's the thing. Is like every single time we have these questions about where is a character, where is it? It's almost always well, we've got this big ensemble cast that they don't know what to do anything with, and they're probably off doing other things. Well, yeah. and it must be hard to hang on to talent in the final season of a show, right? Like they know this train is stopping; they need to hop onto oh, another train, yeah. go in a different direction, otherwise they're going to dead end. Uh, yeah, and you're going to be like, Professor, you better be on the fucking set for 30 minutes of shooting, and he's like, right. or what? Or, or what if I just stay in England and hang right. out with Harry Potter? You know? Yeah. You going to cut me next season? Oh, no. <laughs> uh, Nicole says, plot hole of the week. What does Daryl do with his Stormtrooper uniform when he goes casual Friday, uh, goes casual Friday three times a day? Uh, that's a good question. That's a bulky outfit. Yeah. Where... Is he just like a, a three-year-old? He just trails it all over the place, and, you know, Hornsby's there picking up after him, and God damn it, there, get back in uniform. It's like yeah. my kid was always taking his, his shoes and socks off. In the middle of February, with snow on the ground, he's like, as soon as we get in the car and I put him in the car seat when he's a little kid, he'd whip those shoes and socks off. And I'm like, why, why are you doing this? You're going to have to put them right back on in five minutes. Yeah. So uh, keep up the feral Daryls for me now. Uh, that's a that's a weak that's a weak one. That's more of a squeak. That's a, a feral puppy, Daryl. That's a squeaker uh, for sure. I'll keep him up as long as he keeps being feral. So, Dave A says it's actually pretty easy to spot Daryl when he's walking around in uh, an armor and a crowd of troopers, even when he's wearing his helmet. Because unlike most of the stormtroopers, he does not wear a white armor ring around his neck, and he supplied plenty of visual evidence for this. Daryl doesn't wear his gorget, I think is what you call that. Why? I, it's I'm so not he sure. can so, pull the helmet off quicker? or D- Dave explains, I'm not sure if this makes him easier to spot for the audience or the film crew. For in-universe purposes, not wearing a collar seems like a tactical disadvantage because it leaves your neck much more vulnerable. But Daryl kicks ass with no armor, so why be uncomfortable, right? Mm-hmm. Uh I mean, yeah, armor's always been like a trade-off between protection uh, and comfort and uh, speed and maneuverability. So maybe, maybe he's just more comfortable without the, the, it's that's the equivalent of wearing a tie. He'll wear your goddamn Mm -hmm. suit. He's not going to have that restrictive thing on your neck, you know? Yeah, it's hilarious too, because watching that uh, final episode again, you see the guy who, just got attacked in the hallway by a walker and the walker is like biting at his face, but luckily he has a helmet on. It would have taken like six bites out of the dude. The immediate thing he does immediately after that, he rips his helmet off and doesn't wear it again for the entire episode. Yep. (laughs) You dumbass. Did you not realize that thing just saved your life? Mm. Mm -mm -mm. So I don't know. It's a bad idea, Daryl. I mean, that's super realistic. Like, it's, you know, I've heard tell that it's, like, somewhat of a struggle on the battlefield to keep your soldiers, sure. you know, always wearing their steel plates and their hats, and it's 118 degrees outside today, and mm-hmm. oh my god, I you know, we haven't been shot by an insurgent for 60 days, but today's gonna be the day you get one, and it's like, yeah, it's, and or <laughs> construction sites, you know, trying to get people to follow OSHA regulations when it's literally saving their lives, like, us humans, we're not the brightest, you know? 
Yeah, but it's like sticking your head up from one of the trenches in World War One, taking a bullet, a glancing bullet off your helmet, and then going, eh, don't need this thing. Right, right, yeah. <laughs> like, no, if I wasn't on, wearing man. the helmet, I wouldn't even have felt it. It had gone over my head. <laughs> sure, sure. We're getting geared up for the 6th Annual Summer Badass Fest. And while we're working on a slate of apex badass films to enjoy, we've got an early action-packed announcement to make. Just like last year, we're kicking off Badass Season with a live movie watch and podcast recording. We've rented out a theater for connoisseurs of action films and bald move fans that just want to have a great time. Unlike last year, this year's movie is top secret. Hush, hush. No hints. Except, it's incredibly badass. It stars an absolute icon of the genre. We're willing to bet most of you haven't seen it, and it's going to be an incredible viewing experience with a packed house of bald movers. Those of you who came to last year's screening of Total Recall know what a party it was. And those of you who didn't, <laughs> now's your chance to experience it. Meet me and Jim. Order some custom movie-themed drinks at the theater's full bar. Then watch us record the full podcast for the movie. We reserved a venue over twice the size as last year, but seating is still limited. It's happening Friday, 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 June 21st at 7 p.m. in our hometown of Cincinnati. Get full details and buy tickets at baldmove.com slash live. Cincinnati's actually a pretty great city to visit, and we've got lots of details for side adventures on our event page as well. The Reds are playing the Boston Red Sox in their fantastic Riverside Stadium. The thrills of Kings Island just minutes away, and I'll be leading a kayak trip down the scenic Little Miami River on Saturday. Again, get full details and get your tickets now on our Badass Fest 6 page at baldmove.com slash live live. Hey, it's time for another season of Why is Mr. Feeney a Car? The premise is simple. A Gen Xer and a millennial watch old 80s action TV to see what still works and what doesn't. In previous seasons, we've done podcasts for Knight Rider, Airwolf, MacGyver, A-Team, and more. However, this year we're doing a very special season of Feeney. We're going back and reviewing the very special episodes of 80s and 90s sitcoms. Come cringe along with us as Hollywood tries to warn our families of the dangers of underage smoking, drug abuse, alcoholism, eating disorders, and much more. We start out with the episode of Boy Meets World where a high school kid gets sucked into a cult. Worlds collide as the Mr. Feeney finally makes an appearance on Why is Mr. Feeney a Car? Join me and my buddy Jay each week for episodes full of nostalgia and secondhand embarrassment. And don't worry, a very special isn't your speed. We've also got some all-time classic Knight Rider episodes to close the season with. Find Why is Mr. Feeney a Car? each Wednesday on Bald Move Pulp starting April 3rd. Josh from Pennsylvania says, as an AMC Plus viewer, I wanted to write in about the last episode. Lance is a serious psychopath. At this point in the story, it's hard to prove just how crazy he is, but mark my words, there's some serious shit coming. I have a few predictions and I've read a few things, like concentration camps, slavery, executions. Lance is growing his own empire with Oceanside, Hilltop, and Alexandria. I wonder if this will be like he's a Christopher Columbus type. 
Okay. You know, he's like he's got a wealthy benefactor that he that that wants him to make something from nothing. He's going to go and use a bunch of raw materials from these new worlds, and it's going to turn into slavery and plantations and yeah, cheap when you say, coffee for the whole world. <laughs> when you say you've read a few things, do you mean the history books, or do you mean you know some things about episodes coming up, or like is he in the comics? I don't even know. That's the thing. I am curi- I'm very curious to see this because I, you know, this is out of the comics. At least the stormtrooper part of it is, and I'm wondering mm-hmm. how much they have, how much of this, um, you know, commentary and like late stage capitalism things like that were baked into the comic book. How much of this was? Well, it's roughly the Commonwealth with a little bit of you know modern, you know, the last three or four years injected into it. I I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, there was a piece of feedback last week that predicted Milton is unaware or oblivious to the fact that so many people are treated unfairly. The show has proven that she knows and proven that she doesn't care. She would rather allocate funding to ritzy parties than to those less fortunate. Yeah, definitely this week they well, they, they came down on that. Yeah, I could still see her like just not understanding that what what she's really doing there. You know, like well, that's that's what he said. Maybe it's that's just the way she is. Yeah. She's a white collar, good for nothing Nimrod who sits on her desk and contemplates what kind of wine to drink at fifty thousand dollar parties. But either way, she's in the wrong. Yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah. Yeah. Can't be that out of touch with your people when your people are going out and fighting zombies. You know. At the end of the day, I've been enjoying the season quite a bit more than anyone else. It seems I have two requests for the last ep- uh, last eight episodes. I want deaths. I want all the spinoffs to be spin out spinoffs and spinouts. To be fake outs, spin offs, mm. fake outs. They kill off Carol, Maggie dies, and Negan sacrifices himself heroically to keep Herschel alive. I just want more heart pounding, gut wrenching deaths, and I think everyone else does too. That, and that's the key. Like, there's not a lot of heart pounding they can get out of the, the the people that I know are safe, quote unquote, to kill. Yeah, unless they're not like, safe. Who I we mean, got? It, it would be Eugene. It, yeah, Eugene could die certainly, but I'd laugh. <laughs> right. Rosita laugh gabriel mm, yeah i guess aaron. gabriel and aaron yeah mm-hmm. i like aaron a lot it's not just the aaron solidarity it's i, I think he's a cool character. he's always been a good guy yeah you know? i mean i feel like it's a fool's errand to hold out hope for this all being a fake out like I don't, I don't think they're faking anybody out i think they're teasing people trying to get them to watch their next shows but like if it were a fake out and you just like kill all of the characters who supposedly had spinoff shows coming in like one scene mm. that would get people talking for sure killing judith off would piss me off that Ooh, that, that yeah. would that would get a rise out of me for sure i don't know if they got it in them to kill a kid like that i mean they've certainly killed children in the show before i mean look at the flowers but uh-huh uh, finally, Rick. I want him back. I seriously want Rick back on for at least one last episode or two. I don't see how uh, else they could end this show on a high note. I think the odds are better than 50% that Rick is, if not in the final episode, a post credit scene. Yeah. And it would be pretty cool to book in that with like him waking up in a hospital in the new regime, mm-hmm. you know, like a, a like a nightgown. And <laughs> just uh, like the first... He, season yeah. yeah like he's a room and he's alone in a room and he gets out and he, he po- and he pokes his head out and instead of zombies it's like military thugs that are like pushing him back i, I think that that could be cool and because like it's in their best interest to remind people why they still have this haggard poor huddled mass following the last steps of this show to remind them that oh yeah your biggest hero is still alive in this universe and we've got a three 
uh, f- film. We got a we got a three film trilogy that we're planning for mm-hmm. him. Oh yeah, so that, I think there's that needs to happen. If they're smart, they'll do it for sure. I I think there's a, a gr- good chance we'll see Rick in some form, maybe even just a post credit scene. And maybe that's they, why they'd be kind of dumb not to. Yeah, maybe that's why they're comfortable like releasing all this information about like oh these characters can't die because they got spinoffs coming. It, they're saving like that big announcement of Rick in the movies for the end of this season. If you can't kill people, bring in Rick, Michonne, and Heath back. That's what <laughs> no, would really get people talking, no, right? Oh, no, no. Yeah, yeah, but maybe not for the right reasons with Heath. All right, John from Chi-Town says, When we first saw the Commonwealth Stormtroopers, they looked like a well-trained elite army, but this season has shown they're actually red shirts. Mm-hmm. Spoilers, the followings are from obvious, obs- observations of the last episode. We're, we're all good. Except for the one in the red uh, armor, who's definitely not a red shirt. He is not. Yeah. He is he, he he is yeah, he's the he's the the white shirt. Um I thought it would have been better if they had played more into the moment Daryl kills Leah. They were intimate together and it's rare in the show to have someone kill a person they were previously intimate with, like Carol and her husband, Nega and Alpha. Uh I said that, but I don't think we spent enough time on it. Like, yeah, it was a bit of an anticlimactic moment to have Daryl kill Leah and be apparently fine with it. Yeah, I feel like they said everything they needed to say. They got it all out on the rooftop in in yeah, shit town or whatever that was. Uh yeah. Yeah. And I guess like that's I I I guess I I I like him just without hesitation coming in there and shooting her rather than, you know, build up some 30 second come on Lee, now. now! Uh, right. the, go back and forth with that, and family, and your family, and my family, and off again. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But it is, it was weird. Um, I don't understand Lance's ploy of hanging banners at Hilltop and Alexandria. Does anyone even live there? You <laughs> Hilltop just hang a is stupid. Yeah, yeah, man. There's like a trap house a couple blocks away from us. <laughs> Me and Jim are going to hang four pips on it because, yeah. Uh, and at least that's even used. Li- I mean, right? Yeah, it's an ongoing concern. <laughs> right? He he could just hang up their banner in any abandoned building for that matter. What's the point of doing that? And why arrest Oceanside when they did zero wrong? Uh, well, it's not about right or wrong. It's about this is about uh, what Lance can get away with. What yeah, you know, Lance can can talk about the shady stuff that was going on in Hilltop, quote unquote, and smear Alexandra and Oceanside with that same brush. Plus, yeah. I love how they use one banner to signify it on Alexandria, but then they, they waste two full banners on Hilltop. Like it doesn't, it doesn't have an estate anymore. It doesn't have any blacksmiths. It doesn't have any populace. It doesn't have any populace. No They're farms. protecting no farms. Those were burned forever ago. No trucks. Those were all blown up. No. It's got nothing. This is an empty, barren piece of land now that he's putting his flag in. I don't understand it. Why is that a big deal? Alexandria, I sure. Have. It has a working, a half-working windmill. It's got people still living there, as best I can tell. Uh, and like 95% cold-rolled steel walls still standing. Sure. Like, they're yeah. not the Lincoln logs that they just got shoved in the ground. They're probably ground-rotting 10 years in. About You could just push them over. Right. Yeah. Uh, also, the calculation of going to the press by Eugene and company seems wrong. Wouldn't they want Mercer on board for, first? Doesn't might make right in this case. Uh, this is... I don't know. This seems like a fundamental under- misunderstanding of how authoritarian governments work. <laughs> like, hmm. 
you know, if you uh, you could you could take down Hitler in 1942 if you just got in, you know, uh, the right headline in the right newspaper in Berlin. Like you just bl- right. just bring him all down, right? Like no, because number one, it would never ever ever be printed. Mm-hmm. Um, and if they're like that's because like, I don't it's like again, are they print? Is this like a zine? Is this an officially thing? Is, is I, I, I feel like it is, yeah. Because if it's a zine, then it's like there's going to be a whole bunch of society that doesn't even see it. Mm-hmm. You know, you're going to be dealing with the quote unquote dregs of society, probably the ones that are already on the out, the people that are already kind of agitated. They're not going to be well connected. They're not going to have a lot of money. They're not going to have a lot of power. It's going to be challenging unless you can get the majority of the the people you know that are not the elite on your side, and the elite are going to do their damnedest to control access to that information. I mean, that's the thing. So, you have to you have to have a moment of disruption, right? It needs to be either such a such a big groundswell from people who don't have power in in right. in the individual sense, uh, to to you know aggregate that their collective power and and disrupt the lives of the people who make these rules, who run this government, or mm-hmm. you have to get the people who support this government who do have power and wealth to turn on the leader of the government, right? Like, mm-hmm. if you don't have one of those two things, nothing is going to change. They'll just look at it, and it will continue status quo. Right. Yeah. And, and I, yeah. I do think that the show is going to come back and say, well, this didn't have any effect, right? Like, that's the smart way to go. Like, okay, these characters are a little naive and stupid, uh, but the exception there should be Connie who might know a thing or two about ousting, you know, congressional members uh, with her work. She might know a thing or two about that, having done it before, to this woman's father. As a smart journalist, realize that, like, this is not a 21st century city's newspaper on public. This is more akin to, like, reporting in Rwanda or old Eastern Bloc Soviet countries, where Mm. the free press is something that, is more of a an idea or a manipulated mouthpiece than it is like a, a true free press. And like the fact that she doesn't get like she, they know enough the the know that that the, the know that that should be silly to think that, but yet they're still they're still they're still thinking that. But. Yeah. Moving on to Karen S. It says, "I always love your honest coverage of The Walking Dead, even though the truth hurts for a show that I love. <laughs> Part of the reason for all these flaws is because AMC continues to work against its own show." Aaron has mentioned how Angela Kang must be so frustrated with all of AMC's limitations. I found this interview between Kang and the Insider shows just how many obstacles were in her way, not the least of all the spinoff announcements. It's unfortunate the creators have to run up against the studio. It's a disservice to the cast, the crew, and the fans alike. And man, I felt very vindicated reading this this review. If you go on the Insider, this was from April 10th, 2022 by Christian Acuna. Angela Kang is saying a lot without saying a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to find this this exact quote. Um, oh, here's one. The the the, the uh, interviewer says, "Do you wish that Maggie Negan spinoff Isle of the Dead wasn't maybe announced until after the 11 B finale? Were you surprised it was announced? I asked because I thought it took a little bit out of the big fight between Maggie and Leah. Um, it felt like the stakes would have been higher if Maggie's safe for Maggie's safety if it weren't announced and Kang says, yeah, 
You know, I really can't comment on the movements of these kinds of things. I definitely, when we were writing the season and filming it, I did not know it was going that was going to be announced. So maybe things would have been handled a little differently. But you know, that's above my pay grade. <laughs> um, that's Scott Gimple's that's pay a, grade. Yeah, that's a pretty scathing response from a showrunner. Uh -huh. The fact that she did not know while she was writing the season eleven B that they were going to do this spinoff that would make this climax silly. And you also wonder, what are they doing right now to promote the new material that's going to be undermining the work she does this season? Mm -hmm. And you also got to wonder, what effect does these decisions have on the writer's room? I mean, there had to be see... some level of knowledge there, right? Because what if they write a scene where Maggie dies? What if they write a scene where Negan dies? Did the, the executives like get final script approval here and say, no, you can't do this because X, Y, Z? Didn't um, that already happen on this show where like, uh, oh, who took over after Darabont? Mazzara wanted to kill or Co didn't. Or not Lauren Cohen. Uh, <laughs> uh, Andrea. Andrea, yeah, Whoever the other was. Lauren. Uh, yeah. Chip, what's her name? I don't. It's Andrea. Uh, yeah. They didn't want her killed off, and he said, "Fuck you! I'm killing her off." And uh -huh. like, and she was pissed about it, and everyone was. Yeah, everyone is pissed about it. And there's tons of stories like that where the left hand doesn't know where the right hand's doing. So, like, I imagine if she had killed Maggie, like, I that's a great question. Would suits come to the set and like, you can't do that? You're gonna have to have her miraculously survive. They would have to. Yeah. Um, but when they the get wind of it, I, like that's the thing. I mean, there has to be somebody talking to somebody here, and I don't people know overseeing this because, yeah, there has to be, there has to be. Scott yeah. Gimple's that guy, right? Scott Gimple gets the scripts every week of every show that's going on in the Walking Dead universe. Make sure it lines up with the executive's idea of what to do with the series or what mm -hmm. to do with the franchise, rather. Yeah, got to. Yeah, and she also in this interview talks about, like, you know, we've heard this from many showrunners, the COVID restrictions on both the pre-production and the writing process and the filming uh, gives a lot of challenges because you just can't have big casts and big shots and big screens together. So sure. it seems like the stuff that everyone's dealing with and then AMC executives on top of it all. So that's kind of depressing because I do like that. This makes, that makes me feel a lot better about the Kang era because I do think without meddling uh, and without this crazy spinoffs, we probably would have gotten a lot more interesting. Um, it, like that, the Kang it left her own devices would have kept on doing the smart character work and and you know making you know making a turkey dinner out of a couple of frozen chicken wings. Uh, mm -hmm. So Karen says, just another question: How much responsibility do the actors have in this whole spinoff thing? Is it fair to say that Jeffrey Dean Morgan, Lauren Cohen, Melissa McBride, Norman Reedus could have refused to be in those spinoffs in order to preserve the artistic integrity of the flagship, flagship show? Or is this a contract mm, thing? I don't know why they'd want to remain in these roles and not challenge themselves with other acting parts. But then again, they enjoy that cast and crew, and I think they're only obligated to six episodes. Anyway, keep up the good work. Appreciate your coverage. Um, yeah, Hollywood's a tough place. You're going to turn down a guaranteed paycheck like this on a franchise that you're already 11 seasons into. What, for a good career move? To work I... with your friends that you've been with for right. 10 years. And like at this point, like typecasting, if you're worried about that, that ship has sailed. I mean, like, Lauren Cohen Melissa... tried this, right? Lauren Cohen tried yeah. to jump ship, and she got hired onto a show that had like one season and was canceled. And then came back to right. this. So, like, yep. who's knocking on Daryl Dixon's door? Who Who's knocking on Maggie's door to say, hey, come over to this other thing? Uh, 
right. we've got a better offer for you. If it's not there, the high, why wouldn't the highest take profile this? thing that Lauren Cohen done before at the, the same time as this was she played a voice for on Destiny, the video game. Okay, like, sure. You know, there's not, and, and like I said, the typecasting. If you're worried about like, oh, that's the Walking Dead guy, the Walking Dead, that's happened. Like <laughs> right, you've been doing this for a decade. In. The type has been cast. So, yeah. and I also, I just think that like. It's a fool's errand to expect people to turn down money. Like if someone right. came at, you know, and said, hey, here's $20 million. You and Jim split it. We're going to whore up bald move. Maybe it's not the best creative decision to let some corporate entity take over bald move and do whatever they want with it. But on the other hand, my me and my wife and my kid don't have to worry about life for the rest of the for the duration. Right. And when you get offers like this and this hellhole that we live in, you kind of got to take them or you're, you're, you know, you're, you're, you're a fool, I think. So like, I don't ever, I don't ever blame the people that are taking money that's on, that's on tables, especially when they're in this position. You mentioned a creative, the artistic integrity, that ship sold back when they fired Frank Darabont. Yeah. Yeah. The artistic integrity of this show was sold out in season two. So like, there's not it's not the actor's responsibility to protect that it's the right. studio that owns the property you know to mm-hmm. not dilute and destroy and they're just not interested in doing that so you can't care you can't care more about the thing than the people making the ultimate decisions do at yeah. least i i don't think you can all right yusuf is up i said here's some scattered thoughts i want to share i feel like this section has a bit of rehash themes from previous plots the season five arrival at alexandria and the adjustment to a new society seem to carry the vibe into this season you even got the lady politician leading the community and she has a shitty flamboyant son that we're meant to hate again also the actor playing lance Hors- wait Hornsby is pretty was much reg co- the shitty flamboyant son analog here <laughs> Did she have a no, son? No, no, no. She had a son. son yeah, that was all. No, he he did. He wrecked a, a big rig into the wall or the, the ma- like. Yeah, no, he was. Oh right, brought we down. We hated the... that fucker. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> let didn't didn't he let one of the guys like uh, the Steve Urkel type get eaten too? God, I totally too... forgot about him. Yeah. Uh, Lance Hordensby is pretty much copying how David Morrissey played the governor, except Morrissey managed to convey more expressions. This guy just does the sleazy, friendly, psychopath menacing. Um, I mean, it definitely rhymes. I don't think it's exact control C, control V, because Alexandria is to the Commonwealth the way, like, a village looks like to a city, you know? like. Sure. The, the the Alexander's like finding a medieval village that's still intact, and the Commonwealth is like finding, you know, like I said, a modern city. Um, so I think it's it's a little bit different. Um, but yeah, I see what you're saying. Uh, also, a hundred dollars says one of the spinoff shows where both are decoys. I know I should understand at this point the AMC is the dumbest marketing team since Joseph Stalin, but I still cannot believe that paid professionals decided to tell us that the four major characters on a show are most definitely going to survive the final season or flagship show. I can't. The world cannot be this simple. So I'm putting a hundred dollars <laughs> down, one or both. These shows are not happening. Most likely the Maggie Negan one. Yeah. I just. The deal you'd have to make to have actors talk about a series that they have no intent. I mean, it can be done. Sure. But, but that's I Andy just can't Kaufman imagine. Shit, right? That's like. Yeah. Yeah. That's long con stuff that I, I don't know. And does that does that just destroy any goodwill, any faith in AMC and their marketing that like. 
I, I guess, look, it's a final hurrah for the show. Maybe they do it and just spend all the fucking goodwill chips they've accumulated throughout 11 seasons, which are not many. Let's, that's not a big stack. I don't know. I don't see it. I don't see it. The ironic thing is, I think this would build some goodwill back. If, like, they said really? that, like, we actually did this just to increase the shock that somebody died, or like, but, but it's still, it's, it's playing with the audience when you don't have to. Because if you, right. Because, because in absence of these things, you would just be like, I would have been, I would have been actually scared that Maggie was going to die last episode. Mm-hmm. And if she died, then I'd start thinking, oh my God, they're really going to kill some big fucking names in this, this last. And like, you know, is Daryl going to be safe? Is Carol going to. Because there are characters that I care about and I don't want to see die. Like Judith, Carol, Daryl. Those are like the flagships of the... I don't actually care about Maggie or Negan. I think uh, one or both of them dying would be pretty cool from a storytelling perspective. Sure. But... How is this not just like... most of them off the table. But, but this is a marketing Glenn under the dumpster, right? Like this is... Yeah, it's the switcheroo that everybody fucking hated about Glenn. Just in in meta form, advertising form. I no, I don't. Yeah, I think they'd be insane to do that. Um, you guys mentioned how you thought season nine and most of ten were the best in season one. A big, bad, bold, bald statement. <laughs> I would say that any season with Rick Grimes was better than any season without. But then I'd be lying because season eight sucked ass. I mean, that's the worst season. Yeah, season eight yeah. is where no one gave a fuck anymore. Mm-hmm. I agree that season nine is better than eight and seven B and I'd equate them in quality of season six. But beyond that, I cannot in good conscience put them over anything one through five, no matter how the writing improves the show. I remember always it somehow always relied on the strength of the actor's performance. And to me, Andrew Lincoln nailed every scene he was in, no matter how silly the writing was. And he was easily the only main cast member on the show that ever managed to do that. Uh, I mean, Andrew Lincoln's great. He is single-handedly carried well not single-handedly i think the whole i think the main cast is is pretty good and i yeah man i don't know because i feel like maybe i think season one's the best season of the show mm-hmm. even though it did have an uneven episode or two um i i almost feel like season three might have been the real glory years because they got over the season two unevenness of splitting a director and they had the governor material which is pretty strong but like honestly you started seeing the the dragging your feet, the dragging out material, the the cost saving in terms of sets and actors, and like the rot was there, and and I think nine and ten were genuinely better than all that because I ne- and and mm-hmm. through the most of the whispers arc, I never felt like oh they're just stalling. Yeah, yeah, they're just stalling. I, I kept I, I like I remember continually saying, boy, they've really done a lot, you know. Um, and, and I can't believe this is going to last another half season right. or whatever. So, yeah. Uh, question. Can Gabriel still see out of his bad eye? My wife noticed he was using it to look through the gun crosshair and the gunfight with the Commonwealth troops <laughs> in episode 16. No, no, <laughs> that gunfight on- is an atrocity. It's terrible. I watched it again last night. It's worse than I remembered. Here I'm here I'm noticing the crooked bayonets and I don't notice the blind guy looking at the scope. Oh Jesus. Daryl's idea of cover is to put his arm up and brace for impact. That's his idea of cover. <laughs> it's ridiculous. I didn't notice the eye thing, but that is just one more piece of shit on that piece of shit Sunday. 
I imagine Seth Gillen, the actor, must be able to see out because he's not that. Like if that, because like if you just made that an opaque eyepiece, like that would solve the problem, man. Just make it the way uh-huh. he can't see out, then he won't do something stupid like sight down with his bad eye. Yeah, or maybe he does that just to just to troll the production. You know, right? Like I'm going to. This is like uh, well, shit. If the continuity those, those, people those POWs. Are the POWs are crossed their fingers and the publicity stills because the, oh, sure. the their jailers don't understand the the nuance of yeah yeah didn't we um, just watch a show that did that not too long ago uh, what are you talking about maybe what was it like somebody got married oh the Truman Show Truman Show Laura Linney does that in their wedding photos crosses her yes. fingers on this television show yeah it's she's on she's under duress yeah right. Anyway, Yusuf says, thanks for your awesome coverage. One last round to go. One last time in the breach, boys and girls. Randy says, you've mentioned Crooked Bayonet several times this season, but I've watched and rewatched those scenes, and I do not know what the heck you're seeing. To me, the bayonets look wider than normal, and half the top part of the bayonets curve down to the point, to a point, but as far as them being affixed to the rifles at 45-degree angles, I just don't see it. <laughs> Maybe take a screenshot and... Okay, I'm exaggerating when I'm saying a 45-degree angle. It's more of like, look at the barrel. It's bent like a 15 to 20-degree angle off of True. And do I want to take the time to screenshot this? I almost do because I feel like every episode I watch, I would come over two or three shots of them. But, like, it's not that important to me. But it is. I just can't unsee it. Uh, Just look at the barrel. Look at the bayonet. Imagine the, the bayonet's supposed to follow the barrel exactly with zero D, and it's there's just so many of them are off. So uh, I might, I'll think about it, Randy. Um, Vincent, you guys are awesome, and thank you for what you do. You seem to be struggling with the Milton family, though. Uh, think of them like the Kennedys. There's several in politics. It was stated that Pamela's father was president. The Congressman Milton that Connie got in trouble with was another Milton, Pamela's oh, uncle. Ah, okay, okay. Assuming the Milton on the coin was Pamela's father, then it seems best to think of him as JFK. The uncle, probably Ted Kennedy, I guess. Or Bobby, because like, he wasn't sure. he on the president's chief, the staff, so like it's mm-hmm. one of those Bobby Kennedy things. Uh, the Kennedys are arguably the closest thing the U.S. has to royalty, so it makes sense that Milton, a stand-in for the Kennedys, would create a society with them as an almost monarch-type role that people would recognize and allow, even flock to them in times of great fear. I hope it's useful. No, it actually is, because I... I was having a hard time figuring out what the hell was going on with the Miltons, but if you're you're saying it's a dynasty type family where they had the, the you know two uncles and a cousin and you know fathers and it's multi generational, it makes it makes a lot more sense. I thought it was this one dude, and she's trying to turn it into a post apocalyptic dynasty. Hmm. So thanks, Vincent. Uh, Allie says half season in retrospect, what the hell is up with the Commonwealth's processing system? Remember how some people were dragged away screaming something along the lines of, no, no, not again. Is it just a job placement option for pre-fall actors in the Commonwealth to terrorize potential admissions? Was any of it real? Did our crew lose no sleep about the other people getting tortured in a warehouse five miles away? Mm. Okay. I agree with part of this because I've been been banging the drum that they, they, they telegraphed the inherent evilness of the Commonwealth way too soon. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, but in the interview process. I, but I also think you're supposed to understand that these people that are screaming, oh, no, not again, are probably on that list, and they are being used in slave labor and a coca plant. 
or they're being used mm. uh, to fetch money out of safe houses that the rich people know about, or they're being used in some kind of other thing um, that, like, this is part of the punishment system. That, like, washing out of the Commonwealth, uh, there's a process for that. But, like, why would you let the inductees? I don't know. It's like, yeah, nobody stops and said, like, man, the induction system is in this is crazy. But then again, they come from a they come from a facility where a crazy guy who talks on his wife on a phone would ask you three questions that was a pass fail <laughs> to get in. You know, like, how many people have you killed? How many zombies have you killed? Why? Mm-hmm. All right. He sounds like a good fella. Let him on in. You know, like that's that's yeah. the intake process for Alexandria. So fuck. <laughs> they got some crazy guy with a salt and pepper beard and some kind of fruit seller for five, <laughs> six, seven years. That's justice. Like what? the? F- yeah, there's everyone's just kind of making shit up as you go along, I guess. For sure. Yeah. They're not just rounding up everyone they find and putting them against a wall and shooting them. So like. That's it's they can work with this system. I don't know. Uh, Aaron and Father Gabriel have been absolutely killing it this season. Do you think they're squaring up for the next big spinoff? Send them yes. to Texas. Let's do a Western. The Aaron sure. and Gabriel show. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I could see it. Why not? Why not? Call why it. not suck all the marrow out of this? This thing. Call it uh, Mason Mason Hatson. And. <laughs> Mason Hatson line, and they can go south. Back oh, south again. I don't know. Uh, thank you for your ongoing coverage of the Shambling Show. For all its good nils, it's a podcast. It's been a consistent highlight in the 11-year slog. Also, my first hook into the BMU, Bald Move Universe, so no complaints here. Nice. You know what? I have enjoyed my time on The Walking Dead a hell of a lot more than I'm not. Mm-hmm. Like, even if it's not, I'm, my use is not the intended... Uh, <laughs> Uh, intended usage of the show it's it's been a it's been a fun punching bag for sure we're about 10 weeks out from house of the dragon season two and it's time to prepare for war which in our case means well watching a lot of hot d and reading a lot of fire and blood each week between now and June 16th, Maester Anthony and his co-host Steve are hosting a watch of each episode of Hot D Season 1. And then me and Jim are going to host a discussion of the differences between the events on that episode and how they're recounted in George R.R. R. Martin's historical tome, Fire and Blood. That's right, I've resorted to reading dragon books. God help us all. We'll see if my fresh eyes add any new insights or predictions into Season 2. Arm yourselves with all the lore you can for the battles ahead. House of the Dragon returns June 16th, but we've got you covered until then. Check out all of our upcoming Hot D coverage on the Hot D feed or on Bald Move Pulp, available wherever you listen to podcasts. You've been listening to quite a few Bald Move podcasts now, but you're not in the club? Oh boy, you are missing out. Not only are all of our premium club podcast feeds completely ad-free, but we have lots of other great content exclusively for people in the club. There's a weekly lunch with Jim and Aaron where we chat with fans about anything and everything from TV and films, food, fun, life advice, and more. But there's also Off the Clock, our premium podcast where we talk about all the shows we don't have time for on our public feeds. Plus, you get access to our full, spoiler-filled, first-run movie reviews of our newly released films. 
Don't forget Instant Take and Talk Podcast, where we give our hot takes and discuss television shows with our fans live and immediately after the episode airs. With mega shows like House of the Dragon coming this summer, we're going to have lots to talk about. Not to mention access to our fun and friendly community of club members with exclusive Discord channels and a dedicated forum. It's one of the best places on the internet to hang out and chat about pop culture. Bottom line, you're helping two regular type guys in the Midwest make the content you like to listen to, which some would say is reward unto itself. Help keep the lights on and the bits flowing at Bald Move. And get some awesome content for yourself. Head to support.baldmove.com to join the club today. try to make it super easy to support making podcasts at Bald Move. Just join the club. But some people aren't a joining type, or maybe they're already in the club but want to add a little bit of gratuity for an especially great season of coverage, or for a podcast that really spoke to them, or gave them that bit of support in a tough time. For these, and for whatever other reason you might have, our tip jar is always open. Head over to support.baldmove.com and click the donate option to say, hey, keep doing what you're doing. We appreciate it. Once again, check out support.baldmove.com for all the great ways to help me and Jim keep making the podcast you love. Uh, finally, Craig from Middleware, Delaware. Middletown, Delaware. Middleware. Delaware, Delaware. Uh, hey, guys. Great work on your podcast. I wanted to mention one of my biggest issues outside of the character arcs, plot lines, etc., which is the character's clothes. Are we meant to believe that the Commonwealth has worked clothes companies? Uh, that are able to make designer clothes. I'm sorry, even if you found warehouses full of stuff, wouldn't you have run through it in 10 years plus? I know that's the smallest issue, but it always cracks me up. I, I don't I know. Feel like There's a lot of fucking clothes on the planet between all the thrift stores lot. and all the department stores. Because and... like one out of 100 people warehouses. survived this thing, right? Right. That's the thing. We have enough clothing to clothe the entire populace of America 10 times over, I'm sure. Just mm-hmm, sitting mm-hmm. in warehouses and stores. Not to mention, like, every house you go into is going to have two, three, right. maybe more closets full of clothes. Yeah. I think clothes uh, are... Th- that's a that's an easy problem to solve. The clothes don't go bad. They can sit mm-hmm. on shelves for decades, and, you know, yep. you might have to wear some bell bottoms, but... You're, you're but the other thing is, like, you... Like, sewing is a very old hobby of humanity, and fabric is not that hard to manufacture. And if you talk about, like, um, just ready-made clothes, like, think about how many fucking Michaels and, like, Joanne fabrics that just have yard. Like, if you went there and just yards and yards and yards of all kinds of fabric and sewing supplies and needles and, you know, like, I does Pamela Milton have a sweatshop of 100 seamstresses that make her her cocktail dresses? Absolutely. Probably... Probably not even sweatshop. It's probably like one of those phantom thread type of well-run say, yeah. things because she wants them to do their best work. So like the clothes stuff doesn't bother me because that's it's not like um like like making steel. Making steel is hard mm-hmm. in a zombie apocalypse. You need tons of power, tons of heat, lots. Of, but making clothes, you need a you need a loom. I think they invented those like two thousand years ago. So I guess the only thing that could bother me about clothes is if one character wears a particular piece of clothing for a decade in this environment, like Rick wearing his cop shirt for 
Cordero with his vest and his wings. And... Yeah, and, and they're doing a pretty good job aging that stuff. I feel like... That's true. Daryl's gone through a couple wings now. Yeah, his wings have fallen off. He's gotten new ones. I mean, maybe a vest wears out. Maybe it doesn't, but like... Yeah, they're they're doing a pretty good job there. I, I have to give them credit where credit's due. I think they've taken that stuff into account. Mm. Well, that's going to put a cork on this season 11b of the walking dead stay tuned for season 11c sometime out late this summer or early fall uh if you want to stay on in touch with bald move you can go to twitter.com slash bald move we usually do a pretty good job of keeping people up to breast of uh up to date uh, abreast of what we're doing there uh you also might want to check out our forums forums.baldmove.com to stay uh, connected to the community we have a discord at discord.baldmove.com uh and our website baldmove dot com Whoa. uh has wow. literally everything that we make you can also like if you like our pulpy stuff there's a bald move pulp feed that you can make sure you get all of our zombie space superhero type stuff and if you like uh season one of the walking dead we've got bald move prestige where we try to try to cover the stuff that uh doesn't have those things you know it's just about mad you know admin and uh, people making meth and trailers stuff like that so, like I said, I just ran off a bunch of stuff we're doing in the coming months. Uh, if you want to follow us, we just, just shouted it out. Uh, thank you for, for being close to the finish line. One last sprint. Let's, uh, let's, let's really get the knees up and pumping. Uh, let's get the heart rate up. Let's, let's, let's finish this, this, this whole fucking thing strong. We'll see you, see you back on the other side of summer. Uh, until then, I'm Aaron. And I'm Jim. Later. Later.